Valentine's Day as we record. Happy it Valentine's is. Day to all of our gals. And our and our pals. Yeah, Not just gals, gals and pals. Gals and pals. So Well there's no Yeah. Uh, Guy and Tines Day. No. There should be. But they get enough. Oh. <laughs> no, no, not for us loving dudes. For like dudes loving dudes. There should be a guy in Tines Day. Why isn't there a bros day? Because toxic masculinity. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Probably. Mm-hmm. What you drinking there, champ? This episode, as is every other episode, sponsored by Coke Zero. Because My- I have a sickness. My beverage of choice today is, um, I think it's the Aldi brand or Lidl brand of of uh, seltzer, and it's raspberry lime flavored. Not to be that bitch, but it is not the Aldi brand just because I'm a slut for Aldi and I'm like a truffle sniffing pig. I know all of their products. Oh yeah, I think the Aldi brand is Belle V or something like that. And then this is Adirondack. So I oh, yes, that no, no, no. is Lidl. I go yes. to the discount grocery stores. This is a very interesting conversation. Hey, the discount <laughs> grocery stores are the shit, okay? Like, I, Aldi and I are ride or die. Aldi is basically a cheaper Trader Joe's. And Trader Aldi Joe's is, is already bae. pretty. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day, Aldi. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about something not that chill today. I was going to say something not as cute as Valentine's Day. Valentine's no. Day. Neither. No, definitely not. Um, you know me. I'm always I'm always good for a kidnapping story. So um, we're talking about the kidnapping of Barbara Mackle today. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm going to spoiler alert. This one does not end horribly. There's no murder. We're we're good. So yeah. If you're one of the people that are like a little iffy on like young girls being kidnapped and murdered this one ends they're not murdered (laughs) not murdered it's a terrible case because uh it's honestly horrifying what this woman went through but um there's no murder so rest easy so to begin our story begins december 1968 20 year old emory university student and real estate heiress barbara mackle was Ooh. sick with all right lots of places Uh-oh. said it's called the hong kong flu i oh, heard God. that it was that it was referenced in multiple different articles as the hong kong flu i hadn't heard of it before but now with our current pandemic let's just research a bunch of other pandemics this was a flu pandemic from 1968 that killed about one to four million people globally but that's it, it yeah <laughs> yeah right compared to our current <laughs> pandemic come on get on our level that's easy that's terrible we're not making jokes about the no, pandemic it's a no. horrible thing that happened and yes. uh we hate it and it's ruining everyone's lives we hate this pandemic we hate that pandemic pandemics, pandemics in general they can get um, bent it's fine yeah. but this pandemic hit the student body of emory quite hard so a lot of people were getting it so uh, Mackle was quarantining herself. She was staying at the Roadway Inn in Decatur, Georgia, which is a few miles away from campus. I think it's Decatur. Is it not? I think it's I Decatur. I've been there, but I okay. don't know if a lot of local people said Decatur. <laughs> I have passed it, and that is it when visiting Michael's sister. Okay. So, please don't get mad at us. 
I think it's Decatur. Uh, I'm from New Jersey, so I say everything wrong. I was going to say, I thought go you were going to be like, I'm from Georgia, so I would know. And I was like, listen. I can be from wherever I want to be from. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so um, because she, her family has a lot of money and she uh, was sick, her poor mother drove all the way from uh, their home in Coral Gables, Florida, uh, to Ooh. the Atlanta area to take care of her daughter. And then she was going to drive her back to their home for the Christmas break because this is right before the Christmas break. Um, okay. So around 4 a.m. on December 17th, a stranger knocked on the door of the hotel room that they were staying in. Um, and they claimed to be the police and they were wearing a policeman's cap. So he told Mackle that... Um, there had been a traffic accident with a car that matched that of um, Stuart Hunt Woodward, who is referenced in some articles as being Mackle's boyfriend or fiance, but in her own account, she calls him a good friend. But spoiler alert, Woodward would later go on to be her husband. So she referred to him as a good friend at the time. But every everywhere else said it was her boyfriend, so I don't okay. know what was true at that time. I mean, I mean, you can you can go from friends to more than friends. It's that's true. It's a thing that happens, or but friends with benefits. Regardless, you're being woken up at four o'clock in the morning yeah, no. to be told that like somebody in the hospital is asking for you, and they had this car, and you're like, holy shit, like that's somebody I care for. Yeah. So. The man was not a cop, if you can believe it. No. Yeah. Uh, He was a 23-year-old SeaWorld research assistant, Gary Stephen Christ. That's a job. (laughs) I'm going to get into more information about him a little later, but right now we're just going with the the timeline. So he had apparently been stalking Mackle for months leading up to this moment. And Chris parole officer Tommy Morris later said, quote, he was looking for a rich, tough minded female, someone who can stand up to the trauma of being buried alive. End quote. Oh, we're going to get to the buried alive thing in a minute. (laughs) Kind of. No offense. No pun intended. Buried the lead there. Yeah. You're talking about kidnapping. Well, Well, we'll get there. So once inside, Chris and his accomplice, 26 year old Ruth Eisman Shear, um, who was disguised as a man, forced Mackle at gunpoint into the back of their waiting car, informing her that she was being kidnapped after they had chloroformed, bound, and gagged her mother. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is all at 4 a.m., too, and she's sick and disoriented, and I can't even imagine. Yeah. So, finally, after going over a bumpy road, Chris stopped the car and then explained to Mackle, quote, I suppose you know why we're here. We're kidnapping you. We're asking for quite a lot of money. And Who is we? Hit, uh, Chris and uh, Eisman Shear because they, oh. they kidnapped her together. Okay, never mind. Um, so they drove her <laughs> to a remote pine stand off uh, South Berkeley Lake Road in Gwinnett, I think it's called, County, near Duluth, which is about 20 miles away from the kidnapping site, um, to this shallow trench. And um, inside the trench was a fiberglass reinforced box that was outfitted with an air pump, a battery-powered lamp, water laced with sedatives, and food. Uh, there were two plastic pipes that would provide Mackle with outside air. And they put her in this box and then took a picture of her with a sign that said kidnapped on it before 
like closing the cover of the box and shoveling the dirt into the hole to bury her alive. Jesus. Yeah. In her book, Mackle said uh, of this time of being buried alive, quote, I screamed and screamed, the sound of dirt going farther and farther away. Finally, I couldn't hear anything above. I screamed for a long time after that, end quote. Oh. That is, we've, we had an episode about being buried alive. We and did. how fucking horrifying that is. That is one of the, like, most claustrophobic, terrifying deaths. Because all you're doing mm-hmm. is just sitting there, you're waiting for your air to run out. Yeah. I mean, she, the whole point of this was that they were putting her in a place where she couldn't escape and couldn't be found. They didn't want her to die. Like, they gave her the food. They gave her water. They gave her, like, they showed her how to use, like, the air pump so that she could get air. Like, the intention wasn't to just bury her alive and kill her. They wanted the money. Um, But what a way. But also, like, I'll get to it in a minute when I talk about uh, Chris as a person. But he said he wanted to pull off, like, the crime of the century. But he was, like, a piece of shit about it because he didn't know how to pull off a crime uh, number one is you don't let people know what you're fucking doing. And apparently a few days earlier, him and Eisman Shear had stopped at several service stations near the intersection of Claremont Road and Buf- Buford Highway, I think it's called. And uh, they had asked people um, about an isolated spot where they conduct where they could conduct a scientific experiment. So they just went to a bunch of places and were like, hey, where's a really isolated place? Here's my face. Here's the car I'm driving. Like, what make the? note of this. Okay. He's a fucking useless piece of shit. He's anyway, an idiot. Uh, at approximately 9, 10 a.m., uh, a call was received to the home of Robert Mackle, Barbara's father, yes. um, who was a wealthy Florida land developer in his home in Florida. And uh, the caller had... <laughs> I'm sorry. A wealthy florida land developer in his home in florida well i know i know it's redundant but like you can you can develop land in and you could be you could be a land developer in pennsylvania and live in new york but no but i thought that i i couldn't tell if i heard it that way or like if i'm losing it or if that was actually something that was no it was clunky fine (laughs) call me out no i'm not calling you out i'm (laughs) saying like i was like am i well has it happened anyway <laughs> uh the caller instructed um that um he should search a corner of his property under a certain palm tree weird yeah. um and so once uh he searched a ransom note was found buried under a rock chris and eisman had demanded five hundred thousand dollars in ransom which would equate to 3.7 million today um in a note, the kidnapper specified that the ransom would, uh, that they should be put into a suitcase and that Robert had to make the drop in the woods alone. Additionally, um, he was to put a classified ad in the Miami Herald reading, quote, loved one, please come home. We will pay all expenses and meet you anywhere at any time. Your family, end quote. Oh. That was supposed to be like the tip off to the kidnappers that, he was like, yes, I'm doing it. I'm dropping off the, the money. It'll be there at the specified date and yeah, time. Yeah, but like, ugh, that's, that's very can you sketchy, imagine? Right? Yeah. Um, Robert Mackle immediately raised the money because he was rich. I and was put it in a large suitcase and left it where instructed just south of Miami along the bay. At 5 a.m., a local resident hearing an outboard motor and was concerned about a rash of burglaries in the area at the time called the police. 
They arrived totally unaware of the kidnapping and spotted two individuals carrying baggage. Upon seeing the police, the two dropped everything that they had and ran through a yard and escaped. But the FBI found uh, their car abandoned. And in this Volvo station wagon, uh, they found, among other items, a roll of Polaroid film with which Chris had photographed Mackle, two plane tickets to Las Vegas, a key for the roadway inn, that's the hotel that Mackle was staying at, um, a plain sheet of paper used in a typewriter as backing for the ransom note, and a car registration in the name of George Deacon. So okay. they left quite a bit of damning information yeah. behind. Not to mention Crime fingerprints and all that stuff. I should mention also, um, I'll link on the website, the uh, ransom note was like John Bonet Ramsey level long. Like I, I think one place said it was like three pages long. I was going to read part of it here, but I was like, it's too long. It's too clunky. <laughs> uh, but I'm sorry. It was a lot. Um, but remember the name George Deacon, because we're going to get to it. Okay. Um, so in the afternoon of December 19th, a driver of the Yellow Cab Company in Miami picked up Chris at the Miami International Airport and carried him to several car rental places while he attempted to find a place that would rent him a car for just a little a little bit of money because they had left most of their shit in the other car. Um, he finally succeeded in renting a green Ford automobile. Okay. And meanwhile, word had got out that Robert Mackle's daughter had been kidnapped and everyone in Florida and like throughout the nation, because he was like a huge name in real estate, um, that knew the Mackles were just shocked. Um, one article on the case said, quote, their concern and fear during the early Christmas season of 1968 paralleled the emotions felt 36 years earlier when the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped and then found dead, end quote. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, how many kidnapping cases have we talked about that, like, either the person just narrowly escaped or somebody died? Yeah. So, like, it's it's hit or miss. Like, if... They already tried to drop the money once and it like didn't happen. So how many times are these kidnappers going to ask for the money before they're like, you know what? This is a liability. We can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um. So on Marco Island in Florida, uh, in the Mackle brothers new development, no one could talk or think of anything but the kidnapping. It was as if a local child had been taken from the area all radios were turned on for the latest words and prayers were said and everyone was desperate for just any good news. Right. Um, and that would come soon. The second ransom drop was successful, but there was no word from the kidnappers in the beginning. The FBI was able to trace the George Deacon, the information they found on the, re the car registration, to the University of Miami, where they realized that somebody under that name had built ventilation boxes for a living. Uh, Deacon's boss provided the name of Ruth Eisman Shear, who also worked at the university, as someone that Deacon had spent time with. The FBI was contacted by a local man in Georgia claiming that he had just bought a small trailer from a man and found some odd paperwork inside. The FBI discovered letters addressed to George Deacon and Gary Christ, who they identified as an escapee from, Calif from a California prison since 1966. And when the FBI compared the prints found in the car to the ones found in the Christ file, they realized that Deacon was actually Christ. So he was okay. using this as an alias to uh, because he had escaped from prison in 1966. Okay. That makes... Wow. Yeah. 
They're not smart. It, t- it took a little while. I mean, this is only two days after she was initially kidnapped. So they're they're working on it. I mean, the uh, the kidnappers are just uh, horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like kind of useless. Like you that's, could. That's what I'm saying. Like they're not smart. Oh, OK. I thought you yeah. meant like the FBI. No, I mean like like a cab. But no, like these people are not sm- like why would you if anybody's ever seen date night with steve carell and tina fey it's not a great movie but it's like two great mila actors kunis, but- two great actors not a great movie and then yeah. mila kunis and james franco play the this like couple that they're like thieves or whatever but they keep using the same fake name and that's, well, that's what like, gets everybody in trouble. It's like, like you're Ted so Bundy stupid. referring to himself as Ted all the time. Yes! He was that's, always No, Ted. that's worse. That's worse. Yeah. <laughs> that was his name, name. Like, uh, fucking, I just... <sighs> Whatever. I don't know. I mean, I don't we know, all, we know, we've covered enough of these, like, criminals that we know, like, they're not superhuman level smart. No. That's why they've turned to crime. Like... Some, yeah, sometimes they just get away with shit. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, Chris had escaped by boat at approximately 1030 AM on December 21st, a coast guard airplane carrying FBI agents spotted Chris boat on the intercoastal waterway in the vicinity of Fort Myers. The boat was observed until a helicopter carrying the FBI agents could reach the scene at which time Chris beached the boat on hog Island and fled inland. Agents found a duffel bag full of money in the boat, totaling $479,000 in $20 bills, determined to be part of the ransom money. Yeah. In <laughs> Leave that behind. The whole reason for your crime. Just, you know, toss it to the side. Um, I mean, and also in $20 bills, like, was well, that a specification? Yes. I know, that's yep. what I'm saying. That's so fucking stupid, because why wouldn't you get hundreds? It's easier I think it, they're to easier carry. To, I think it's he easier just to trace, to though. But he just wanted to... I don't think that's why. I think he wanted to fucking Scrooge McDuck do a dive into his bank of money or whatever the fuck I it never, was. I never found... In my research, I never found the reason of asking for $20 bills. But if you're a person that knows, like, this type of, like, crime, I think I... Because um, D.B. Cooper, who was, like, the, the famous guy that, like, uh, held people for ransom on an airplane like was given a lot of money and then he jumped out of the airplane mm-hmm. and no one's ever found him he asked for uh his ransom money in 20 dollar bills also so it might be a thing with like the traceability of the money maybe it's easier to trace higher denominations I or maybe if it, maybe it's just more of a pain in the ass because there's more 20 dollar bills that's more serial numbers that you have to look out for rather than just a couple hundred dollar bills i don't know but by that logic, then why wouldn't they go with ones? Because that's a lot. That's aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I know it's aggressive. But if they're trying to, like, be the serial number needles in the haystack, that's where you want to fucking if go. If you're opening your wallet, do you want a bunch of ones or do you want a few 20s? Well, it depends. Where am I? Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> ones are very convenient for several things that I can think of off the are top they, of Caitlin? my head. Are they, Caitlin? Where are you going? <laughs> nowhere because it's a pandemic good answer <laughs> perfect anyway so after about 12 hours um the island was surrounded by fbi agents and police chris was finally handcuffed and caught by two charlotte county deputies who had stalked him through 
a place known as Hog Island. I can only imagine there are those wild pigs there from the Firefest dock. Why don't you go back to your home on Hog Island? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Chris was found with $18,000 of the ransom money in his possession, just haphazardly shoved in his pockets. Um, That's a lot. That yeah. is a lot if it's in I 20s. Guess, yeah. You said $18,000? Yeah. Hang on. You're going to find calculator. out how many 20s yeah, that is? Yeah, I want to find out how many 20s that is. While you do that. And I can't do it in my head. It's 900. So that's like, if he's got just his jeans pockets, that's that's what? That's fucking, I got to bring out my calculator again because I can't do math. Well, he's probably, Catholic it's Florida. Me. That's, a, that's, a, that's like $225, $20 bills per pocket. If you're just using your like front jeans pocket and your back jeans pocket. Well, it's Florida. So I can only imagine, and it's like winter break. So I can only imagine he's wearing a neon like penny that says Christmas in paradise on it and some like board shorts. <laughs> um, cargo board shorts, more yeah. pockets, more fun, true. more room for twice. True, true, true. Um, I'm so sorry to our Florida listeners. <laughs> I love Florida. If I can get there, like I would love it. Not, th- not now during the pandemic because Florida, you crazy. <laughs> stay inside man i know it's nice out but jesus christ you're and, killing and, us and disney world does not need to be open i'm sorry right i love disney i'm sorry I'm is disney a an essential business right now and and also just the difference in that in my the, in local California. library is closed yeah my <laughs> local library is closed and they also decided to like massively like blow up their fees after saying oh no late fees during the pandemic yeah so that's how i ended up with a 75 dollar late fee from do you buy a couple books like that jesus Christ. i know i was like i might as well keep these then and just yeah, never right? i'll just ghost i've it's got like two new books yeah exactly uh anyway so along with the eighteen thousand dollars that he had on him uh agents found the money by the boat and <laughs> Chris had paid $2,240 for the boat that he was found uh, traveling in. Of that money? Uh, of the ransom money. Okay, yes. Okay. So with all of that money together, about $760 was unaccounted for um, for the total of the ransom money, the $500,000. Hmm. Okay. Um, on December 27th, Time Magazine... Uh, published the first of two stories entitled The Girl in the Box, with the follow-up story published on January 3rd, 1969. Richard Nixon met with Barbara Mackle and suggested that she write a book about her experiences. Now, like that Richard Nixon? Yes. See, I didn't get to this fully because it was too clunky writing the outline, but Robert Mackle was so renowned and so popular and his name was like known so much. Like He was friends with Richard Nixon. He was Jeff Bezos. Like he had built proper, like he had developed property for him in Florida. Oh, which is crazy. that's so weird. Two presidents that have been impeached, both having property in Florida. What could that mean? I don't know. What could that mean? Um, I totally skipped over this part, the part <laughs> of her being rescued. So let me just jump back to that. So um, on December 20th, Chris called and gave a switchboard operator of the FBI vague directions um, to Mackle's burial place. The FBI set up their base in Lawrenceville and more than 100 agents spread out through the area in an attempt to find her. Like basically just shoulder to shoulder, 
yeah. uh, going across the ground, digging with their hands, anything they could find to use to, to find this girl. She was found and rescued, suffering from dehydration, but otherwise unharmed. She had spent more than three days buried underground. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mackle was flown to her father's, uh, in her father's private jet back to Miami to be reunited with her family. In a short press interview, she said that she was treated humanely and felt, quote, absolutely wonderful, end quote. So when is the part where you say she's in on it? That would be wild. I didn't find any information on that, but that would be so cool. But why would she need the money? Because it doesn't make any sense. But Maybe anyway. she wants something that her parents said no to. No, I don't Maybe think she, she was in on it. Maybe she wants to like start her own fucking real estate tycoon business. She doesn't want to join the family business, Haley. Yeah, she could just pull a, a Menendez brothers and just murder her parents. Or... She could just fake her own kidnapping and get the money that way. And then her no. parents are so happy she's home, they won't even question it. No, that's like the, the action movie of this case. There's movies, which I'm going to get to, but that's like the crazy twist one. That's me. My, I'm so thankful my parents don't listen to this because now I have ideas. Of to fake your kidnapping? To steal money from my parents, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, so when she was asked how she remained so positive, not only during the kidnapping, but after, um, when she showed basically no ill effects of the ordeal, I didn't find any information that she went to any type of therapy. She obviously, like I would obviously advocate for going to some type of therapy, talking about this because this is quite an ordeal, but she seemed fine after it. But also that was not the thing back then was if you went to therapy, it wasn't something you talked about. It wasn't something it was like looked down upon. And I know that a lot of people from that generation still feel that way, which would be going through something like this. But still, the fact that you have to go to therapy, it doesn't matter how or why. It's still taboo, I guess. Therapy Um, is the no, no. But she claimed that she would imagine spending Christmas with her family and never doubted that she would be rescued. So she just had, she had full confidence that she would be able to see her family again. Good for her. Yes. Especially with all that money she got. She did not get any money. (laughs) If she got any money, it was the $760 that they couldn't find. See, maybe that's all she needed. How much is that in today money, Haley? I don't know. I'm not good at doing the. What year was it? 1968. Is that copyrighted? Uh, we should probably shouldn't be doing R.I.P. Alex Trebek. Aww. I don't know. Um, how much money was it? Seven hundred and sixty dollars. <laughs> this is taking too long. I'm 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 doing okay. Okay, I'm. Bleh. So what? that's that's yeah that's. $5,800 plus. I mean... That's pretty nice. Yeah, that's that's like... That's a down payment on a car. I mean... I don't maybe, think she got it. Maybe, I'm gonna maybe say. she wanted one of those cute little... Those cute little Opal GTs or something and dad said no. I'm gonna say no. See? That's anyway. what her dad said. <laughs> anyway. Eisman Shear was arrested 79... 79- uh, days after uh, Chris was in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, fun fact, she has the distinction of being the first woman on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Ooh, 
That's a fun, interesting fact. Shatter that glass ceiling, girl. Oh, yeah. She claims that she left Miami because she and Chris became separated after the money drop and she was unable to get back to the car and thought that Chris had abandoned her. She was convicted and sentenced to seven years in prison, paroled after serving four, and was deported to her native uh, country of Honduras. Huh. Yeah. That's that's not a long time. No. For s- kidnapping somebody and keeping them underground for three days? Yeah. Not great. That's... So... Okay. Just- just a little background on the kidnappers themselves before I get back to more recent news on the case, because there's some very interesting developments. Such uh, as that she was the one who was the mastermind all along? No, not quite. I'm telling um, you. Chris, who had grown up in Alaska, started stealing at the age of nine. As By 14, he was convicted of auto theft and put in a juvenile facility in Utah. 14? Yeah. You can't he, even get a driver's license if he was stealing say, cars. I was going to say, how do you know how to drive at 14? Well, he grew up in Alaska. I'm sure he knew how to drive at the age of like seven as soon as he got tall enough to look over the dashboard. Well, yeah, that's fair and true. And I knew a girl in grammar school whose dad actually had heart problems, so he taught her how to drive should something ever happen. And she yeah. needed to like get him to the hospital or what have you because he was a stay-at-home dad. So Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, in August of 1963, Chris, at 18 years old, was back in jail in California for attempting to steal another car. Um, As he sat in jail, he planned the perfect crime to locate and abduct a young heiress. He worked out issues like how to communicate with her family and where to hide her while waiting for the money and concluded that burial underground was a perfect solution. Except... You don't go around asking a bunch of people, hey, where do you think is a great place to bury somebody that no one will ever find? What's like a super isolated area? I think he needed longer time in prison is what you're telling me. Yeah, a little bit. he didn't have enough time to think this out. Yeah. Um, So three years later, he was married with a son. What? Back in jail in Tracy, California. Who did he marry? I didn't find that information out. Okay. I didn't want to give so too wasn't much any key information. Player in this. No. Okay. I'm I didn't want to give too much information on the kidnappers because uh, they're useless. They're shitty people. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But he was in jail again for another car theft. He's not good at stealing cars. I was gonna say it might be time to switch careers. Yeah. Uh. He broke out of prison by scaling a fence and uh running away. Wow. Running away. Great security at That's, the Tracy, California prison. Well, that, but also just like, if that ain't his whole shtick is just run away and yeah. run away and run away. Another another article that I read said the family, Chris and his family, um, had moved to Boston where Chris, with a very high IQ. Yeah, sure. Chris <laughs> wrote that. Yeah. Was that uh, the Wikipedia page that Chris edited? I think it was on Murderpedia. (laughs) So Chris Um, went in and edited to make sure that everybody knew he was smart enough to pull off the crime of the century. Yeah. Uh, He apparently, in this place in Boston, he invented um, a new identity and um, had just like a really good ability to defraud people. And he actually got a job as a research assistant at MIT. Okay. So somebody that's on the run actually got a job at MIT, which is quite crazy. 
See, I don't feel so bad anymore about not going to MIT. Yeah, right? (laughs) When an opportunity arose, Chris moved his family to Miami and soon picked up a mistress by the name of Ruth Eisman Shear. Shortly afterward, around the end of November 1968, his wife, oh, this is her name, Carmen, his wife Carmen, took the family and headed back to California because she was like, fuck this. Yeah. Good for her. Meanwhile, Eisman Shear, who spoke Spanish, German, English, and French, signed up for Chris' get-rich-quick scheme, and the couple planned on living as fugitives in Europe after they got the money. Ruth, baby, what are you doing with him? You speak, like, umpteen languages, and he's the best you can do? She could do anything. I Um, mean, you were going to break the glass ceiling in a couple of years, and I know you didn't know that, but you know what? You could do better. Have the foresight. Um, at the Mackle trial, Christ tried unconvincingly to persuade the court psychiatrist that he was insane. <laughs> acting oh, I love as those. <laughs> an egomaniac and claiming to be a, quote, superior human being, end quote. Yeah, see, I don't think, I, I don't think that's grounds for being, like, too crazy to stand trial. However, that's I just do think being he did asshole. believe that. Yeah, and I do yes, think he exactly. did believe that. <laughs> Uh, Christ was convicted and sentenced to life in prison in 1969, but was released on parole after 10 years. That's not life in prison. That's not remotely life in prison. Well, here's where it gets super crazy. The Georgia prosecutor originally sought the death penalty for Christ, but was probably only spared because of Barbara Mackle's testimony. Later, she wrote in her memoir, quote, I know that I did not want Chris to be executed for one reason. It was he... Uh, who called the FBI to free me, end quote. So, um, okay. But that was like the conditions of like the kidnapping. Obviously, he got the money he could have ran. Like he did call the, the FBI to like give them her location, but... Yeah, but he also kidnapped her in the first place. Yeah. This seems um, a little... Wait, is one of the movies that you're going to talk about Beauty and the Beast? No. <sighs> okay, never mind. Spoiler alert, I will talk about Beauty and the Beast in a future episode, and it's pretty wild. Tale as old as time. It is. Uh, here's something crazy. In 1972, Chris wrote a book, which we're going to get to. Oh, for fuck's um, sake. And also tried to escape prison in a garbage truck by Does the mid 19- he's fucking Frank Abagnale? Like, what the fuck I know. is this? He thinks he is, like, the perfect criminal. <laughs> um, by the mid-1970s, he turned into a model prisoner. And attended classes to become an EMT and started working in the prison hospital. No. Knowing he was eligible for parole after only seven years in prison, he also started to cultivate a relationship with the chairman of the Georgia Parole Board, Tommy Morris. Morris told the New York Times, quote, There is nothing in our files to indicate Gary Stephen Christ is violent or dangerous. If he does commit a crime, it won't be a crime of violence, end quote. But... So, you said if he commits another crime. Yes. So you're saying he's still capable of committing another crime. Yes. In which and, case, don't let him out. And he's been consistently, like, even though it's not violent yet, he's been consistently escalating. Exactly. He has a history of, like, stealing cars and and fraud and, like, all this other stuff. Like, all that, had to, all that had to happen with Barbara Mackle is if the top gave out on the box that she was kept in. Yeah. And she could have been actually buried Or if the alive. air pump malfunctioned. Exactly. There's so many things that could have gone wrong with that. Or that you said... Go ahead. It, it could have been murder. It could have easily been murder. It could have. Like you said, the water was dosed with sedatives, right? Yeah. 
What if he put in the wrong cocktail of sedatives? Exactly. What if he yeah. put in too many sedatives? There's so many ifs in this that it's just like, why would you feel safe letting this person out? Like, huh? <laughs> well, it's fine. Saying that he might become a missionary uh, oh, at the age of sake. 33, he walked out of prison on May 14th, 1979, 10 years and five months after kidnapping Barbara Mackle. Bullshit. Yeah. Chairman Morris helped Chris to get a pardon, and after Chris finished college in Alaska, he went to medical school in the Caribbean. He married his prison pen pal, Joan Jones, and graduated... <laughs> yes, I know. It sounds like a fake name. And he graduated medical school in the mid-1990s. He got jobs in Haiti and then in West Virginia, um, Alabama, and Connecticut, but each time when his criminal history... Yeah, but... In, in these places, when his criminal history became known, he lost his job. In 2001, Dr. Christ got his last <sighs> medical position in a rural town in Indiana uh, where they were aware of his background, but apparently, according to one article, they had no local doctor, so they hired him anyway. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Um, and at the time i don't know if this is true today indiana law did not prevent convicted felons from obtaining medical licenses and the state medical board put a number of restrictions on his ability to practice medicine with this he would remain on indefinite probation and he had to appear before the board every six months he was required to submit to psychiatric evaluation and was not allowed to prescribe certain drugs but this only lasted until the nearby Evansville paper published a story about the Mackle kidnapping. When the story broke, he was approached by a reporter from the ABC News affiliate uh, WRTV. And Chris said, quote, ambush journalists inflicting pain on people who are trying to do the right thing are almost as shameful as Osama bin Laden. End quote. What? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. It. Did he so, change his name to Jared Kushner by any chance? <laughs> May as well have. Joan um, Jones? Ivanka pseudonym? We don't know. Well, he's he's going to get his. Because in March 2006, Chris was arrested on a sailboat off the coast of Alabama with 31 pounds of cocaine. Oh, Reportedly so worth about a million dollars. And he also had four um, illegal immigrants on his boat. He was sentenced to five years and five months in prison and released in November 2010. I will say, I will say, no human is illegal. That doesn't bother me. It's the That coke. was in the article that I read. Yes, but it's the coke. Like, that's, like, I mean, I'm sure that we're friends with people who are, like, I mean. Oh, I'm a so thousand many, percent friends with so people many. who are here without legal yes, paperwork. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, I don't, but I hate that term, like, legal paperwork, because no human is illegal but yeah you should be able to go onto any land you want to just exactly fucking, or on any boat you want to just not on the boat with the cocaine the cocaine i think they the were cocaine. also just trying to find any reason to put them away so like that just like added to it i mean and i love it yeah. please do but leave leave the the immigrants out of it they yeah. came here they they here on august 27th 2012 in mobile alabama u.s district Judge Callie Virginia Granade revoked Chris's supervised release for violation of his probation. He had <laughs> left the country without permission, sailing to Cuba and South America on his sailboat. I'm wow, wondering I wonder if what it's he was the, doing there with the cocaine. 
I was wondering if it was the same sailboat that he bought with the ransom money from the Oh my god, but I don't I believe die. it was. It probably wasn't, but oh, that would be right? fucking funny. Uh, so the judge sentenced Chris to 40 months imprisonment. That's so he, also not much. I know. He doesn't really get like a lot of recourse, even though he's proven to be a career criminal. <laughs> and meanwhile, there are women that are in jail for straight up killing their rapists or their kidnappers or whatever, and yeah. they'll never be able to get a job again. They'll sure as shit never be and able was, to become like a doctor. Yeah, he, he was able to be a doctor. Whatever. This is bullshit. So Ruth Eisman Shear was last heard of in Honduras, married with a family. That's all the other information I could find about her. Barbara Mackle, as I said, married her college boyfriend, Stuart Woodward. He has since passed. And um, she lived with her family in Florida. She has not spoken publicly about the kidnapping and wants to put that part of her life behind her. I do not hmm. blame her for that. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But also you don't want to be like constantly remembered for something that happened for three days when you were 20 years old. Exactly. She's lived a whole life since then. Exactly. Um, so now we're getting into the pop culture side. Uh, like I said, there's a couple movies. The one is uh, from 1972, The Longest Night. It has a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. And ABC aired the story um, in 1972. However, due to litigation surrounding the rights to the story, the movie was never aired again, even though the court decision was later overturned. Wow. But something that's interesting that I read is that Quentin Tarantino said that he shamelessly ripped off the film in Kill Bill Volume 2 with his, um, in addition with his CSI <gasps> oh! episode, Grave Danger. Yeah. So he directed a CSI sense. episode uh, in 2005 that had kind of like the same vibe. sort of vibe. But that so he makes was very sense aware with Kill Bill case. too. Yeah. Right? Or the second Kill Bill 2 too. <laughs> yes. Also as well. Uh, the other movie is called 83 Hours Till Dawn and that's from 1990. Um, it doesn't have a tomato meter rating, but it has a 33% uh, audience score. And this was a TV movie based on mm. Mackle's book, which I'll get to in a second. Um, there was another that was like loosely based on the case. Uh, it's a 1973 exploitation film, The Candy Snatchers. Um, the synopsis of the movie is, quote, a girl is kidnapped and buried alive by criminals demanding a fortune in diamonds from her father's jewelry store, end quote. Diamonds. It's so, sort of like a similar type storyline. Yeah, it's um, in the same vein. It has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes and oh. a 61% audience score. Okay. So pretty good. Yeah. Um, there's two episodes of TV shows that like first popped up. I'm sure there's probably more that kind of follow this buried alive type theme. Yeah. But one is uh, FBI, the untold stories buried alive. It's season oh. one, episode 13 from 1991. And then the unfortunately named... Um, Coffin for Christmas by the I've Crime to Remember series. I've heard of this. Yes. Uh, That's it's a Crime TV to Remember. Movie, right? And it's an episode like of a show. TV show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's on Hulu. I think when I was going through Hulu, I saw like a Crime to Remember. It could be a movie that's called A Crime to Remember, or it could be the show. But the episode is season five, episode four, and it's from 2018. So pretty recent. recent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, so like God. I said, Mackle wrote a book um, along with the Miami Herald reporter Jean Miller about her experience, and it's called 83 Hours Till Dawn. 
It was published in 1971. It has a 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads. And Gary Christ also wrote a book mm-hmm. um, published in 1972 called Life, The Man Who Killed Barbara Jane Mackle. And it's got a 3.5 out of 5 on Goodreads. Okay. And that is the fucking story, people. Hell yeah. Also, looking it up really quick. Um, so, A Crime to Remember is on Hulu. Oh, look at me. But you said this was season five? Yeah, season five, episode four? They only have up to season four. Oh. I know, so close, yet so far. Maybe they'll get, like, the whole series at some point. Yeah. Like, and then I was like, oh, well, maybe it's because it's airing in real time. No, season five was in 2017. So. Yeah. Or 20, or season four was in 2017. Yeah, this episode was in 2018. Yeah. But we can dream. Yeah, you could probably find it somewhere else. Yeah. I am watching something that's pretty fun that I would suggest to people. It's called In Search of Darkness. And it is a very, very long documentary about um, horror movies from the 80s. It is super fun. It's got a lot of interviews with people that were like, in the movies and like uh behind the scenes type stuff uh this is in search of darkness part two i haven't been able to find part one online currently but it is four and a half hours long so i've been watching that for most of the day today (laughs) yeah and you know what well deserved it's fucking galentine's day i'm fucking doing my goddamn cross stitch i'm drinking a seltzer i'm snuggling with my cat and i'm watching a documentary about horror movies from the 80s and i am fucking living my goddamn life today you know what i'm so proud of you because it's better than switching over to a new form of birth control and fighting nausea every step of the way i mean two Two lives of women currently in this day. Yes, age. <laughs> yes. Is this beaches part two? It just shit Could you it have be? to deal with. And also, you know what? Galanti- this is going to come out way after Valentine's Day, but you yeah. know what? I'm going to promote it anyway. Um, Firefly Lane on Netflix. Uh, Watch it. It's so good. You don't have to be a woman. It's like the book by don't. Kristen Hanna is so fucking fantastic. And... I, and Catherine Heigl was done dirty, goddammit. I yeah, I still support her. And Sarah Not in Chalk this. of, of Sarah Scrubs Chalk. fame. The the funniest thing to me about this series, I will tell you for anybody who isn't interested in watching it, no spoilers. Whether you're interested, whether you're not. So I was talking to Michael about how like women-centric media that if you like go like looking them up, it's always like dumb, banal shit it's never anything like oh this is how she got deep into like the role and things like that yeah and as an example on imdb the trivia for this movie i shit you not i use this as an example Catherine heigl dyed her hair brown for the role that was a piece wow. of trivia but it gets better okay the next piece of trivia Sarah Chalk did not dye her hair for the role. <laughs> These people have to fucking... And this is why, see... I mean, this, this is, is why not we need true, more women in media. But this is also slightly true crime related because it's a crime against women. But, like, when they were talking about, like, the, uh, Knocked Up, that's where kind of Catherine Heigl yeah. got kind of, like... In like, trouble. Told that, yeah, she was told that she was, like, uh, difficult to deal with. But she was talking about how, like, 
she didn't like how the women were portrayed in yeah. the movie that they were kind of portrayed dumb and yeah in all of judd apatow's movies the women are kind of portrayed dumb no and, like, but that's not what she was even saying it wasn't that they because some of them are portrayed as being dumb i agree with you on that but her issue wasn't that they were being portrayed as dumb it was that her character especially that these leading women were always portrayed as being these like frigid bitches yes and difficult and the guys yes. were the ones that's like oh why are you causing him so much problems like, yeah she's pregnant but i mean why is she in such a mood i and don't know because she got like pregnant off like a tinder date or something like isn't that yeah. what knocked yeah about? and also know. the father is fucking seth rogan like it's not exactly i feel ideal. like women women get called uh difficult and men get called like leaders themselves in the role and like strong yeah whatever the fuck skills like make a make a I don't fucking know. bingo card for that i mean that's a whole other thing um i've already got like while watching this like docu documentary about um 80s horror movies i have like a perfect idea for an episode that i will be doing soon so um it has to do kind of with like women in horror Women's. so get ready Ooh. for that let me It'll know be very exciting let me know if you need to collab because don't forget and i drop this every chance i get because it's one of my only claims to fame and i spent so much goddamn motherfucking time on it that you're sure as shit gonna hear about it i did that thesis in college 72 pages on the um like on women and how they're portrayed they were portrayed over the course of three decades behind and in front of the camera and like how how often they appeared on camera what they were portrayed as all that other stuff so we could we could do a little we're we're just collaborating on mic right now but we should do it for like women's history month i'm here for this i'm here for i this. believe should women's we, history month is march out? though it's next month it's <laughs> yeah. in a few weeks it's i but don't you know, know what we'll it's galentine's to together enough hey hey if ruth was able to break that glass ceiling and be the first woman on the fbi most wanted list we I can do this god that's fucking really damn it. a claim to fame though hey she broke a glass ceiling that's all that matters i guess i i, I the glass ceiling was in uh, an abandoned building but but now we too can be on the fbi most wanted list thanks to her thank you she for kidnapped crime. so we could run i don't know if that helps anybody anyway we're getting too <laughs> far into it uh that's this the what episode crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com go and see a bunch of links and stuff the photo that they took of her in the in the casket with the she's smiling it's fucking she's smiling. haunting it's haunting i don't know if it's just because there's a photo or like that was a photo that was sent along with the um the ransom note so i don't know if she was trying to signal to her parents like i'm okay like uh, like don't worry too much yeah i don't know i mean this is fine <laughs> like we've said a million times before um we don't know what we would do in that situation so i'm not judging anybody but it's nope. still a haunting photo of someone like in a casket with a sign that says kidnapped it's terrifying so yeah. that'll be on the website um you can also go and follow us on all of our social medias we're on facebook yeah. instagram twitter and, and send uh, us an email once in a while. Yeah, crimeculturepod at gmail.com. We've gotten a lot of emails recently. Yes, Fun from times. Melissa, from, from 
Landon. Yeah. We appreciate you. We especially, we appreciate Melissa's dog, Twinkie, which is the goddamn. Oh, oh. Like we keep saying, send us pictures of your animals and especially you have to include their names because I need to know what these we little precious names. names are. Yes. So. Like, and, and that was the other thing. If you looked at those photos, not only is Twinkie a gorgeous white land cloud of a dog, possibly a poodle. Let us know. Um, he's a Cubs fan. Love it. Yeah. We like to hear about their, their interests, their yeah. likes and their dislikes. It's, this, is, this is going off the rails. Yeah, I know. It's the end of the episode. It's fine. <laughs> It's the end of the episode. Um, yeah. I'm on too many hormones. Email You're- us. Ooh. Send us um, like DMs on any of the social media. We'll get it. Slide and into our DMs. Yeah, we do respond. We've had people that are very surprised that we respond. We do. Sometimes it takes a minute, but we do. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. depression. Yeah. So I'm losing light really quick. So I'm going to be ah. plunged into darkness soon. You're so- the light of my life. I love you. Happy Galentine's Happy Day. Happy Galentine's <laughs> to you and to all of our listeners. Our gals and pals. I know it's after Galentine's Day, but it's right. You know what? Valentine's every day, day, every day is Galentine's Day. Also, you don't need to be in a relationship to celebrate Valentine's Day. Treat yourself. Love get a yourself. Nice dinner. Like, watch a movie you really like. Have a bath. Snuggle with your creatures. Do something for you. You do um, you. The Brandy Cinderella is on Disney Plus. Watch that. Especially yeah. if you're watching that four hour nightmare that Haley's watching as I a palate it. cleanser, some eye bleach, it. if you will. Anyway, so we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye. 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 <laughs> My sound might be